0: Listen. Just listen. I'm Andrew Riley, and you're listening to the Second Story Podcast. Second Story is a hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music, a collaboration among writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. And now, Second Story Storyteller, Kareem Kupchandani...
1: The internet finally came to Ghana in 1995. My cousin brought me down to the claustrophobic office on the lower level of her house, booted up the computer, and double clicked the icon with two PCs connecting and left me to surf the web for the very first time. (laughs) My first task at hand was to score myself one of those email address thingies, so I typed www.hotmail.com. Except, I accidentally typed male, (laughs) M-A-L-E. Suddenly, there was cock everywhere. Pop up after pop up, every screen I closed, opened a new one, click, click, cock, cock, click, cock, everywhere, they wouldn't go away. I was freaking out, and turned on, and freaking out that I was turned on. I shut down Windows Explorer. Despite my panic, it was in that moment that I realized that the internet would be a treasure trove of hot, sexy, queer things for a gay boy like me. (laughs) You see, up until then, my exposure to all things gay was fairly limited. I was living in Ghana, West Africa, where gay life was, and, and probably still is, pretty well hidden. But when my parents finally got an internet connection in our home, I was on IRC, Internet Relay Chat, at all hours of the night chatting with homos all over the world about my seemingly unconventional desires. The conversations usually followed the same pattern. Me, hello. (laughs) Them, ASL? ASL means age, sex, location. Me, 18. I lied. (laughs) Male, West Africa. Usually the chat screen would close at that point. (laughs) By the fall of 2000, however, I was enrolled at Colgate University in central New York State. I was in the US, in a single dorm room, and I didn't have to use the discreet medium of IRC to talk sexy with men anymore. I could log on to websites that unapologetically identified themselves as queer, manhunt, Adam for Adam, dude's nude. And being in the US meant that these chats might actually turn into fruitful encounters with other men. My regular watering hole became gay.com. <laughs> gay.com provided this innocent and uninformed queer South Asian boy from across the Atlantic with the vocabulary to function in gay America. I was in heaven. On Gay.com, conversations no longer began with ASL, question mark, but with stats, question mark. Stats, I found out, generally meant weight, height, race, hair color, eye color, body type, hairy or not, dick size, cut or uncut, verse, bottom or top. Men described themselves in all sorts of ways. There were bears, the big hairy guys with beards. Twinks, the ones who could pass for 13 even if they were 30. And Abercrombie and Fitch boys, the... Trashy muscle clone types with too much product in their hair? Whatever you wanted, gay.com had it. B, BJ, blowjobs. FF, fistfucking. BB, barebacking. WS, watersports. PNP, party and play. And BDSM, bondage, domination, sadism, and masochism. So... It is junior year. 2 a.m. on a college weekend night. What you gonna do with all that junk? All that junk inside your trunk. I'm I have stumbled home, tipsy from the jug, our local super hetero Freddy Bar in Hamilton, New York. Being the horny gay 19-year-old that I am, I log on to gay.com as I usually do when I'm feeling drunk and emo.
0: Not
1: Not to look for sex, but rather to mourn my lack of options for getting ass. You see, Colgate University is like many middle-of-nowhere, small liberal arts colleges, a fairly oppressive and repressive place to be gay. I was one of only three openly queer people in the class of 700 and encountered homophobic graffiti in my dorm stairwell and on my bedroom door in my first year alone. Tonight, to my surprise, a window pops up and someone wants to chat with me. His minimalist profile tells me he's in his mid-30s, has a football player's build, and that he lives within 10 miles of Hamilton. But he doesn't have a picture. Now, I've learned that pictures can be totally deceiving. My general policy is no pic, no chat. But I have a thing for football players. (laughs) And I've had enough Milwaukee's best to sustain my interest. (laughs) I give him my spiel about not meeting up with people if I haven't seen their picture, but he persuades me. I just want to suck you off, NSA. NSA question mark, I type. He types back, NSA equals no strings attached, no kissing, no small talk, no reciprocation necessary. Kareem, (laughs) this man could be a freak. He may be a serial killer. (laughs) or he could be a totally sexy, big, burly, blue-collar hottie with, with strong hands and rugged skin, or he could be a serial killer. <laughs> I convinced myself that an NSA blowjob sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I'm feeling lonely, and hooking up with a football player type would totally boost my ego. And, and if he isn't attractive, at least I don't have to reciprocate. NSA is a genius concept. (laughs) 20 minutes later, I hear his jalopy rattling into the parking lot behind my dom. His peach-orange pickup truck is rusted and bruised. In the dim parking lot lighting, I peer through the passenger window to see a Michael Moore silhouette. (laughs) The nervous adrenaline, as well as testosterone, fuel my lack of judgment brought on by cheap beer. John, we'll call him John, not to protect the innocent, but because I've forgotten his name. (laughs) Fit the redneck, trucker, lumberjack stereotypes collectively and was the size of all three put together. His hat cast a shadow over his eyes, and the rest of his face was mostly obscured by an astonishingly massive Hagrid-like beard. Brown, bushy, overwhelming. But like Hagrid, he was gentle and vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) And I was a horny Hogwarts boy. NSA, right? I opened the precariously attached passenger door and got in. Where are we going? I asked, hoping he wasn't about to describe some truck stop with glory (laughs) holes. I live about ten minutes out of Hamilton. Now... 10 minutes out of Hamilton is in fact the middle of nowhere. As we drive into pitch darkness of rural New York winter, I begin to get the feeling that I'm that first unsuspecting victim at the beginning of a slasher movie. Tomorrow, state troopers will be picking up my severed limbs on Route 12B, frozen and brittle. But I go along willingly. NSA, right? What are you studying? Sociology and Anthropology. What do you do? Odd jobs. He switches on the radio, but I can't hear it clearly as what sounds like dead bodies rolling around in the bed of his truck is distracting. I look back to find that they're not body bags, but two-liter bottles of soda filled with sand. I use them as weights, he explains. We're quiet for the rest of the drive. <laughs> oh. I listen to his weights rolling around in the back and, and discarded candy wrappers crinkling, crinkling under me as my weight shifts uncomfortably. I watch the darkness whiz by threateningly. I smell the crisp, cold air mixed with the thick smell of sloth. Deep breath. So far, I'm still alive. We finally pull up to his place. It is small. In fact, it is very small. In fact, it is a trailer. (laughs) Brown sofa, brown cabinets, brown faux wood paneling, brown carpeting, I matched perfectly. (laughs) In the far corner was perched a brown taxidermied armadillo his deadened eyes staring at me intently. You can sit there. John gestures to the couch for me to sit on as he fiddles with a record player. He flips through his records, Dolly Parton, Whitney Houston, Dinah Ross, an unexpectedly gay collection. Do you like ABBA? Sure. He comes over, gets on his knees, settles himself between my legs and opens my jeans fly. Trying to focus on the blowjob and ignore the possibility that this man could cut off my dick and have it with his scrambled eggs for breakfast tomorrow, I look to the armadillo for reassurance. (laughs) The armadillo stares back disapprovingly with the same look that he probably gives all the other guests that come over for NSA head. John's hairy face is buried in my hairy crotch, a mess of pubes and facial hair. I hadn't learned about manscaping then. He realizes that he can't get his lips all the way down my shaft with his baseball hat in the way, so he swings it around back, backwards and then dives in further. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come. I try to pull out, but John gurgles something over the phallic obst- obstruction in his throat, indicating that he wants me to come in his mouth. So I come. He walks over to the sink, spits my cum out, and rinses out his mouth. He walks back over, drying his mo- moist, glistening beard with a paper towel, and says, That was hot. <laughs> I've never had someone so come so fast for me. I use the excuse, it's been a really long time since I've been with a guy, although it wasn't that unusual for me. I can't believe it. You're still hard. Can I do it again? It was hot. <laughs> I was still unzipped, so I nodded. Yes. Once again, I share some more intimate eye contact with the armadillo, who clearly has the best seat in the house and gets to witness the grotesque scene of this massive man on his knees, showing off his plumber's crack with his hairy head buried in the loins of someone a quarter his size who's moaning in pleasurable pretense, wondering if he'll make it home alive. I'm going to come. I'm going to come. John grunts eagerly with his lips still around my dick and catches my cum again. He walks over to the sink, spits my cum out, and rinses out his mouth. I zip up, and he drives me home. The drive home feels oddly familiar. Bottles rolling, wrappers crinkling, darkness whizzing, cold air, and the smell of sloth. I have to say, he was really very nice. And he didn't mince up my body, and chop it up into a shepherd's pie, or tie me and prod me up with needles, so that was good. He just sucked me off and dropped me home. <laughs> NSA, right. The next morning, I woke up, rolled my eyes at myself, and my hour-long encounter with a man and his taxidermied armadillo disappeared from my mind completely. NSA, right? About a week later, I was in the dining hall trying desperately not to scratch my violently itchy groin. (laughs) Utterly embarrassed, I quickly made an appointment with campus health services. I sat in the nurse's table as she went through the routine questions that might help her diagnosis. Have you had sex with anyone recently? No. I hesitated. I mean, I didn't have sex... sex. I had oral sex. It looked like a case of pubic lice. Like crabs? Yes, crabs is the more common name. The the paper on the nurse's table crinkled under my butt like wrappers in John's truck. I had gotten crabs from his beard. So Somewhere in that jungle of my kinky black pubic hair and his bushy brown beard, some little critters made the leap over the border and set up a baby-making factory in my crotch, producing the most fiery skin irritation ever. It took a full-body shave job and a couple of nights slathered in medicated cream and countless loads of laundry to get rid of the fuckers. (laughs) And yes, even after that, I've had more sexual encounters with strangers in strange cities where I don't have phone reception or access to public transportation (laughs) or or even as a clue as to where I, I am geographically. But every single time I feel a little itch or twitch below the belt, however small, I panic. I run to the closest bathroom, turn on the brightest lights possible and pull my pants down and look and nothing. No creepy crawlies. Relieved, I zip up and look, into, look up into the mirror. And there, staring back at me, is the taxidermied armadillo. <laughs> his beady, knowing eyes, warning the drunk 19-year-old me that sometimes there are strings attached. <laughs>
0: That was Kareem Kubchandani. If his story gave you ideas for your own Second Story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar and at the Morsel, or one of our upcoming special events. This month, Second Story performs at G-Boutique. Visit our website for more details. The Second Story podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Stielstra, Shannon Sullivan, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, and Nick Kawahara. And I'm Andrew Riley. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Art Council, a state agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts Work Fund, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances and our performers, or to make a donation, visit us online at secondstory.com.